my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Welcome everybody to Beach Commute, where your commute is just a scooter ride to the beach. We are the number one resource center for digital nomads and for aspiring digital nomads alike. My name is Jeff. Um, I'm here joined by Diego and Marissa. And today we're going to talk to you a little bit about how we got here. Like, why are we digital nomads? Maybe some goofy stories along the way, but we're just going to, you're just going to get a chance to get to know us, hopefully get a couple laughs, maybe even learn a thing or two about digital nomadism. Um, so let's start off. I'm just going to do a quick around the room. Um, Marissa Medin, let me just let you take a minute to introduce, introduce yourself. So much pressure to go first, but hey, I'm Marissa. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going clockwise here. We're yeah, going real yeah. format. All right. Sure, sure. <laughs> let me know if you want to know more, but I've been a digital nomad somewhere probably around four years. I've been working remotely for a little over seven years. I used to work in the corporate world at Pepsi and brand marketing for six years in New York and LA and realized that I was never going to see the world with only two to three weeks of vacation. And I caught the travel bug and I just wanted to travel so much. So I read the four hour work week way back in 2014 and just realized I had to find a way. <laughs> Jeff's rolling his eyes at me. Oh, <laughs> I know. Just, it's I, like, I, the, I know, but it Jesus. got me here. So I'm really grateful. Basic. But it just made me realize there was another way to work. And We'll get into it, but I basically uh, worked remotely for a little bit for my company and then um, started several companies, do a lot of career coaching, digital nomad coaching, and uh, all sorts of entrepreneurship and uh, met these two boys along the way on the road. We'll get there. And yeah, I, I can't imagine living life any other way. We'll get to the Tim Ferriss in a little bit. I do want to, I'm hungry to jump in. Let's, let's just keep going around the horn here. Diego, Diego, give us, give yeah. us your feel. Who are you? Yeah, here, here we go. I'm so glad that you uh, that you mentioned Tim Ferriss there because I was about to say, oh yeah, I think that was probably kind of the start of it. So yeah, I guess that'll be a, a good one to chat about in a bit. Um, so yeah, for me it was what I think about six years ago I started to to travel a little bit more like this. So doing the whole digital nomad thing, but I've I've pretty much been doing something like this, uh, a travel type of lifestyle, really since I guess really since I was um, born. So about a year and a half in into life my parents started taking me around uh, south america and uh, since then yeah about every two to three years we would hop to different places um so that was kind of like the expat lifestyle back then and i blame i blame them every time they tell me that uh, that i should get a real job and get a get a normal life i tell them you guys set this one up so it's all on you um yeah and then what five years ago or so i um started i co-founded this company um called wi-fi tribe well company community more like it's a cult um, it's a cult you guys <laughs> Be honest, we're honest. Part of our, first, <laughs> right. our first podcast, all right? Let's be honest with it. Come on, guys. This is, this is the kind of stuff that we try to keep in. The C word is not allowed, Jeff. That's the, oh, whoa, careful. We're not jumping into the C word. <laughs> first five minutes. Oh, man, guys, we're doing really well. So, yeah, anyway, community <laughs> of um, of digital nomads. So, it's, um yeah, we're, we're a thousand remote professionals now. Um, and yeah, we just go from place to place every month in a, in a different location. We've really been able to travel, um, what, around South America, Central America, Europe, Africa, Asia. Um, and that's really been the last years. I mean, minus, you know, one year of COVID pretty much. Um, and now, now here. So just really, really exciting. In that process, I also had to interview a ton of people. So I think I've done over a thousand interviews uh, with different people who've been working um, remotely and also obviously understanding how they got to that point and then you know myself living with um, with 20 to 25 uh, digital nomads each each month and always changing that up um, so yeah tons of stories really excited to be able to uh, share a lot of that kind of stuff with you guys here on the podcast and um, yeah that's that's pretty much it that's my background oh I'm German Bolivian I sound um, American but kind of a kind of a weird mix there it's so, like yeah, a little muddle there's it's kind of like um yeah but you might have spent a little too much little time in the States. Yeah. <laughs> There's something like weird about it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't quite put our fingers on it. Yeah. You guys are OGs. Now that I actually 
think about this. You guys have been doing this a while. Marissa said you've been doing this for like seven years now. Well, like I've been working remotely. remotely for seven years. So the first couple yeah. years, I was just working remotely in the U.S. And then I started taking kind of short-term trips. And then for um, three to four years, somewhere between, I've been doing it almost full-time, where I'm gone three to four months at a time. We'll come back to the States for maybe a month, mostly to see my cat, my parents. Mm. And then I'm, I'm on the road again. But yeah, I've been to over, I forgot to say, like over 60 countries now and uh, lived for a month and a ton of those and yeah it, it has been a while but let's hear your your story jeff can't can't get away from it well we did all meet over it we all did meet over a violent sneeze didn't we oh. <laughs> my favorite so funny, yeah, funny story the three of us actually met in bolivia um diego referenced his cult earlier the cult started in bolivia at uh at his parents house and this yeah. was the first chapter that they did a chapter meaning like a month-long Thing where all the digital nomads get together, try to tolerate each other for a month and work at the same time. Um, we all three met in Bolivia. And b- prior to getting there, I had this violent sneezing fit where I, I was like, I must have sucked in like <laughs> half of a flower or something into my nose. And I just went into this machine gun rage. And I actually tore an intercostal muscle in between my ribs. This is just background for our <laughs> listeners here. And Very important background. It hurts laugh and Very they, important background. They thought it was absolutely hilarious to make me laugh <laughs> because I can't I can't help not laughing. And then I would just go just get torn into stitches and pain. <laughs> I actually had a, actually missed a, actually missed a few events, but this is this is a unique to me type of thing. Like this is you'll I was you'll find say, out. You this is a very Jeff story. One of- one of the very first things we did when we got to Bolivia was bike down Death Road, which you, I think, really wanted to do too. And yeah, Jeff couldn't join Diego and I because he had a sneezing injury. We're like, who is this? <laughs> We're like, come on, give us a better excuse. That can't be it. <laughs> <laughs> Make up a better story. <laughs> so I was going to get into, you know, what was that? What was that initial moment where you realized this is exactly what I want to do? And I quickly realized. That was not my moment. That was probably the moment where I realized I wanted to be I wanted to be home. Um, Marissa, when you started this thing, you, you kind of eased into it. And you, you bring up something pretty interesting, I think, in that like a lot of a lot of people that are aspiring to be digital nomads kind of think that they just have to drop everything and they're just like yeah. jump off a cliff and hope that their parachute opens up, right? But I'm hearing more and more from people who are digital nomads that they kind of just inch their way into the water. They didn't really just jump in full time. They just, you know, experimented a little bit with a long vacation, maybe even mixed in a sabbatical and then maybe tried a couple weeks working in the States or somewhere super easy and then kind of got out that way. It kind of sounds like that's what you did, right? Yeah, I did. I, I did. I started, like I said, I was working remotely for Pepsi out in California. And so when I was there, I was just kind of like trying out these like little mini vacations. And that was really the first time I realized I don't have to be in an office. So I had been, you know, like kind of nine to five in an actual office for like four or five years until I left. And that was kind of my first way of trying, okay, I can be remote. I don't have to be in an office. And that kind of opened my eyes to like, what else can I do? And then when I started doing like full-time nomading, I didn't, like you say, just quit my job, quit my life, everything. I first started, um, I took a sabbatical when I moved to LA and took two months and went to maybe five or six different countries and started to realize like, okay, I really like to travel. I've seen a lot, but now I want to see way more. And then I kept testing things. So I would do like two to three week vacations and maybe try to find like a friend who would kind of come with me and just see how that felt. And then I went to Costa Rica by myself for I think like 14 days. And I was like, okay, like I can work while I'm here. So I really did baby steps. And then to really try, uh, I joined Wi-Fi Tribe, which is, uh, I met uh, Diego in Bali was my first, I bought like a one-way ticket. And I rented out, I have a condo in Atlanta where I'm from, and I rented it out for four months. And I had a wedding like over New Year's that I knew I was coming back for. So it was kind of this like window of a test for four months. And I basically said, um, you know, at the end of it, I'll either love it and then I'll figure out how to, you know, store my stuff and rent out completely and keep doing it. Or maybe that'll be it. And I'll realize like this life isn't for me and either way it's a win. So that was how I kind of eased myself into this lifestyle. Mm, so what was that moment where you realized toothpaste is out of the tube? There's no way I'm going back. 
Were you sitting on a beach oh and, and spinner dolphins shooting overhead? Or oh, like, what God, was like this, the second I got to Bali, I was like, why would I ever be do anything? It was like the cliche digital nomad place, but I, I love Bali. <laughs> yeah, I'm super basic. But I went over, I spent six weeks there with Diego and a group of maybe like 12 of us. And then I took a week by myself and then went and um, did another chapter with White Fed Tribe in Thailand. And then with a friend from Wi-Fi Tribe who I met there, we traveled around to like Cambodia, Laos, um, gosh, Vietnam, like kind of, I hopped around to the Philippines, like a friend met me. So uh, I just was like, I, there's so much of the world. I just really caught the travel bug hard. And for me, it's just the more I see, the more I want to see. And there was, there's no going back. Like I couldn't, I remember leaving to come back for Christmas. Um, and I, I just remember thinking to myself, like, how do I return to normal life? Like, how do I talk to these people? I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, I can't stop. I loved it so much. So yeah, never looked back. It's hard with the people that don't, um, that don't do this. It's hard for them to internalize what it is that you're doing. I mean, they just kind of imagine, yeah. they just imagine, well, you're on vacation, right? You're on a beach. Always, it's always a beach, right? And incidentally, it was, I do like the beach. It, it was <laughs> it a it, lot of beaches. Incidentally, <laughs> it is always a beach for you. That's true. It is. <laughs> I love the beaches. But yeah, people have no way. People really assume I'm just on permanent vacation. And it's hard because, you know, when you're posting things on Instagram, you don't normally show the boring moments of a lot of Monday through Fridays when. You're just behind your computer or working, but here it's like you're working with the prettier view and maybe you're surfing in the morning or going to epic, you know, adventures at night or whatever it is. And yeah, people, but, but you really do work. And I think that people still, you know, like four years into this, my friends still, they're like, do you, what do you do? You know, it's like they, they still don't believe it maybe, but yeah, we really do work. And it's instead of working from, you know, my apartment in Atlanta where I was, I was just not seeing anyone. And, you know, on the weekends, maybe going to a park nearby to hang with friends. It's like, I'm going to these epic islands, like islands off of islands for my weekend trips. And I just realized that, yeah, it's just the coolest way to live that I didn't even, I, I didn't know anyone living this lifestyle. Mm. So I really had to like, surround myself with people who did it and understood it. And I was following all these travelers beforehand to be like, I, th I think that this is really real, mm -hmm. but like, I didn't know until I tried it. And yeah, it's, it's been amazing. You yeah. mentioned the I surfing before work. Um, I'm sorry, Diego. One, one no, no, go something, that you, something that you don't know. I, you mentioned the surfing thing before work. And I thought this is the most sexy idea on the planet. Like I'm going to surf to work. I'm going to go, you know, uh, grab a smoothie on the way afterwards and just get this whole thing planned out. First time I go and jump on a surfboard and I land on that rib. <laughs> I tore the rib again. Sorry, this is Costa Rica. <laughs> I mean, only I can pull this crap off. It really is. It's more legit than a sneezing injury, so we'll take it. <laughs> and Diego was the one who was surfing every morning in Bali. I went once. Early mornings are not my thing, but I was more of like I sit on the beach afternoon and watch sunset. But Diego was all, all into the surfing. <laughs> that's, that, that's in the beginning when I was like, all right, I'm really going to have to live this way, right? Um, <laughs> I, I don't remember the last time I've been on the surfboard. It must have been like easily three years or something like that. Um, yeah, I was, was going to add to that. So when I, when I'm on the interview calls, very often people are asking me like, but you know, what is this lifestyle actually? What is, what does it actually look like? And I try to actually try to try to kind of do the opposite thing. So instead of having us, uh, think about this as like this, this totally like different lifestyle, like this, this, you know, out of this world kind of thing. Um, it is maybe an easier way to look at it is that you are literally just living the same way that you would be living at home. Yeah. Um, which means you need to do work, you know, you need to be somewhere where you can be productive. You you get up in the morning, you have your routine, you can have that same routine at home. Like all of that is the same. It's just what you're trying to do is to to experience what it would be like to live in a different place as you yourself, kind of like how you would live at home, right? But now you're experiencing how what it feels like to be living somewhere else. And you're kind of getting a little bit of that feeling of what maybe a local person there is is experiencing. But at the end of the day, you know, we're all just living. It just, you know, it's just about living in a different place. The one thing that is massively different though, and I and I totally agree. I, I love how you said it. It's that idea of like, I'm going on on uh, weekend trips on islands, off islands. Like that, that's literally <laughs> like that that's a really cool part. So instead of, you know, going out to, I don't know, cinemas on the weekends or the same old restaurants or like, you know, all of that stuff that you're like, okay, what am I going to do this weekend? Well, let's do this again, right? Um, you're just doing something different every weekend. And you're it's it's almost like it's almost like actually what you're doing is you're traveling every you have the opportunity to, to travel every weekend and absorb like that intense travel life 
in that weekend instead of doing something that you've already done so many times. And during the week, you're just living in a place that's exciting and new, right? Um, so that's kind of what it feels like uh, to me, yeah. It feels it almost like people get disappointed when I tell them what I do when I travel that doesn't match up with the Instagram stories, you know, because I'm I'm not showing them. You mentioned we're just living our lives. We are just living our lives. Like we're finding a decent place to work. All of us work either a nine to five or we're like dedicated entrepreneurs and we're busting our ass all day long. And that doesn't go on Instagram. I'm not going around filming the octopus oh, of wires. The octopus of wires on the table and, you know, the the rappies coming to the door. It's it's very boring, but people don't quite understand that. They almost think that like in the office equals productive, right? And so if you are somewhere that's beautiful, it is impossible. Those are mutually exclusive things. You are not able to live somewhere beautiful that looks like a vacation and get things done at the same time. And it's this weird misconception that I still haven't been able to wrap my head around other than the only way I can figure it out is like they just haven't done it yet. And they haven't seen yeah. that, you know, it doesn't matter. And, and actually, a lot of times I am a lot more productive because I'm not bothered by people. You know, nobody's coming by and and talking about, you know, boring me with stuff that I don't want to talk about. There's no water cooler talk. It's just work. Yeah. And then the weekend. I remember, yeah, one of, um, I don't know, maybe a year or so into this kind of full-time digital nomad journey for me. I went and joined my family in Costa Rica uh, on the beach for a week. And I had been, you know, all over the world, you know, doing the things, posting on Instagram of just the fun things. And I remember my brother got really upset with me because I was working, you know, during the day, all day, every day when I was with them, you know, we're at the beach at this beautiful place. And he was like, I can't believe, you know, you've been all around the world doing all of these things. Like, why would you come here with us and now just like not see us and not hang out? I was like, what do you think I've been doing all the time? Like I, I work, I, like this is what I do. And so I say like even my own family just couldn't wrap their head around me actually working a lot of those hours. But yeah, I think it's been really fun to see. So we're kind of still in COVID world, I guess, but kind of coming out of it. And a lot of my friends um, have actually been able to kind of come meet me in some places who don't you know aren't normally nomads. And for them to like open their eyes and start to see, oh, like this this really exists. I, I can like see the wheels turning. And I think to your point, until you've done it and until you're really just in a different place doing your actual job, it's really hard to imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what, what you get a lot in the beginning as well is I think you have to kind of like re- reprogram yourself right because our all our lives we've been programmed that when we go to a cool new place um it's a holiday as soon as we get on a flight it's a holiday we're going somewhere it's if it's tropical if it has a beach especially if you're coming from a place that doesn't like the default is that's a holiday right and that's exactly what happens so then your mind is being programmed that if i'm there i'm relaxed i'm taking it easy you know i'm doing the holiday kind of thing so when you start this kind of lifestyle for the first time and that's also something that we see a lot as people you know hop onto the trips they um yeah you you see you see people kind of like trying to recalibrate as they're as they're going and try to figure out okay how much of this is actually a holiday or how much of this is normal life and how do i how do i balance that out so that often takes people you know one or two months uh and then they're really like fully in that balance and then they realize okay this is normal life now uh and my weekends are going to be those moments that i associate with with a holiday so yeah, yeah what you are doing as you're coming from normal life into this is you are you're reprogramming yourself in a sense to to perceive this in a different way, and then yes, those those you know stunning scenes. You're just looking into a jungle. You're you've got a beach in front of you, like you know all of that incredible stuff can be a place where you can absolutely be productive, right? On well, the contrary, I think that once you've busted that, yeah. you find more creativity in those kind of environments. While there is something to be said for working with like-minded people, you know, it's very much like a work day when you're just you're working with people and. Um, it's, it's nothing too remarkable, but when you are working with people that are similar to you, that appreciate the travel, that are largely entrepreneurial and like creative thinkers, there is a little kind of added bonus to that just during, it spices up the workday a little bit more, but to your point, um, it's the off time, you know, for that moment for me, well, there's a, there's a couple moments for me. One of them in particular was in Puerto Escondido. And just finishing up a very, very normal day at a, at a um, whatchamacallit, um, what is it, taking over the world? A Selena. Oh, no. Yeah, I was working, oh, at, I was working at a Selena, but then, 
Well, it was not, uh, he, actually, uh, that's a whole podcast. Let's, let's, all right. Mark, okay. Let's that one later. I want to get, <laughs> I want to get both barrels on that one. I really want to get you all riled up. <laughs> that's a good hour right there. I might even prime you. Yeah. I might even prime <laughs> you for it. I, I want to warm you up before we get into that oh. one. Uh, but coming out of that Selena and my day was over. I was just a very unremarkable day coming out. And then I saw my scooter sitting there and the sunset coming down. I'm all, damn, man, that is a hell of a way. Sure. There's only a couple hours left in the day, but that is like the best way I could possibly think of riding home, hat on backwards on a scooter with the sun setting down in Mexico. Like, damn, this is my moment. Could that be why we named our company Beach Commute? I don't know. I think I was thinking of that. I might have been thinking of that, like subconsciously. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that, really, it is those moments. So go ahead, Diego. I, I mean, literally, just to double down on that. Um, that if if I was going to try to summarize like all that, put it in, in a nutshell, at the end of the day, this this choice of of sort of making this lifestyle a little bit more intentional, it's just about living life more intensely right essentially just getting that much more out of out of whatever moments that you have in life we all need to work right so there's that much time that's going away we all need to sleep we all need to eat right but what are you doing with the um the time that you know is outside of that right and there's amazing things that we can all do back home and in our own cities but you know we've done many of those things um and i think that that's where it gets really exciting it's it's every little moment in between it's you know like you said driving with a scooter from one place to the other like that's just a commute but it's not, you know, it's not just a commute. When you're doing that on a scooter, there's a sunset behind you, you're driving, you know, palm trees whizzing by. Um, that's, in my opinion, like just like, I guess, squeezing the juice out of out of life. So that's, yeah, a, that's kind of an emotional it. recharge for me. I love how you explain that, though. I, I like to think like even in the past three years where I've been traveling most intensely, like I feel like I have lived a minimum of 17 lifetimes in those three years. Like I, I can't even believe how much I've done, how much I've experienced. And it is those little moments where normally, you know, if I'm just back home and I finish the workday in my apartment, it's like I shut it and maybe turn on Netflix and whatever. And Jeff said, you know, your moment was in Puerto Escondido in Mexico. Like I've had those moments all over the world where, you know, maybe before work, I'm like out paddleboarding on the ocean or, I do love beaches. They're usually like shutting my laptop and watching sunset, but not always, you know, it might be in random places where I'm like going on a random hike or just even just sometimes I was, I was just in Antigua, Guatemala and just like walking home at the end of the day, I was working at this random hotel and just walking through town back to my house. It's just like an overwhelm, a good overwhelm of just like cobblestone streets and different people and places and like hole in the wall courtyards and conversations of you know locals that I run into. And it's just this growth and these experiences that I couldn't possibly have in a place where I've just been over and over and you don't appreciate mm. just seeing the world in a new way. So it really is a mix of those, you know, epic weekend trips that you can do wherever, you know, whatever country you're in. But also just those little moments of walking down the street and interacting with locals and also travel friends, like all of the, you know, hundreds of people that I've met from all different countries that I would just, I learned so much from and I like love to, to chat with. There's just, it's, there's so much goodness in it. A lot of people think that this is just a phase in our lives. You know, whether, <laughs> yes. whether they mean it condescending, a lot, oftentimes it is a little condescending. Um, but when they do say that, um, does any part of you think that it's a phase for you? I'm going to go first. I'm not Diego, but for me, so I, I am a, a coach and I, I work with a coach a lot and I even get caught up talking. I remember one conversation. I was actually talking to her when I was in Bolivia and I remember really specifically being like, when I go back to like real life and she was like, Marissa, let's stop for a second. And she was like, this, this is your real life. Like this, this isn't a Amen. phase. And in my, and even in my head, like I get got so caught up in what everyone says to me where they're like, Oh, this is just a phase. That's nice. But when you come back to the real world, like when you come back to how everyone else thinks you're supposed to live, like and then, the word you right know, there, you're yeah. going to have to, yeah, supposed to, mm -hmm. but I think I even got caught up in that. It only took until, you know, the last year or so to be like, I, I want to live this way full-time. And maybe that means eventually I'll stay in one spot a little longer and then travel some, but to some extent, like, I, I don't think I'll ever stop wanting this. Yeah. I think, look, it's different for, for everyone. Right. And, 
um, I think the, the, the one extreme is saying like, okay, you guys have this thing as, as this, this thing that you're doing once in your life, then real life is going to kick back in. You're going to come back home. Right. Yeah. That's one extreme. The other extreme is saying, I'm going to do this forever. And you know, no one's going to, no one's going to stop me. And, and then there's whatever's <laughs> in the middle. And we're, we're, you know, we're somewhere along that, um, along yeah. that spectrum. Like I'm, I'm a diehard. I'm going to do this for forever. At the same time, I know that, you know, with, with traveling with a partner, um, I'm going to have to find a compromise. Uh, we've been talking about like baby tribe, the idea of, you know, taking our kids out onto, um, you know, onto this trip around the world. So there's, there's all of, all of those crazy ideas. But um, I think if you just boil it down at the end of the day, what, it, what, what the question you're asking yourself is, is travel going to be a part of your life, you know, or are you ever one day just going to be like, well, you know, it's November 3rd, uh, 2025. <laughs> and from now on, I, I shall never travel again, right? Like that's not going to happen. <laughs> and you can, yeah. and there's, there's also that version of living where like, okay, I'm going to be in this one city forever and then do satellite travel, or I'm going to be, you know, in this city for three years, then this other city for, you know, five years. Right. And that seems to be more of that modern trend, really. Um, that's like a long-term expat. And then there's, yeah, the digital nomad version of it where you're, you know, you're, you're moving very quickly. And then when I say very quickly, probably like, you know, a month at a time in a place, uh, two months at a time in a place before we used to think that a week or two was, was quick. Now that that's shifting as well a little bit. Um, so yeah, there, there's so many different versions of these, but it, it's just life, you know, it's just that you choose to live here or there, or just have the freedom to be able to decide yeah. that you want to change something up as and when you want to change it. I think the biggest thing there you touched on that I was thinking is just the freedom. And for me, I, I think a lot of people, like I think Jeff, you mentioned in the beginning where you think it's you're either all in and traveling all the time, you know, like every day, or you're not doing anything. And I think the beauty of this kind of nomad lifestyle is the freedom once you find a remote job or have a company where you can work remotely. You can say, I want to be at home, you know, home, whatever that means to you for all the time, or you can travel as much as you want. And that can change from month to month, from year to year. But the beauty is like, you get to choose. You're not, I just remember when I, when I lived in New York, you know, working for Pepsi and I wanted to explore somewhere else was like, I was, I was confined to New York. I had no option. And now the beauty, it's like, if I wanted to go back to New York for a month, I could, if I wanted to go to China for a month, like it's like, it can mm. go wherever I want, whenever I want for however long. And that to me is the beauty. Yeah. I can't even imagine going back to a world where there's not the option. I at least need yes. the option. To, to me, this traveling, whether it's slow travel, you talked about a couple months in a place at a time, whatever, just having that option is fuel for me. It's like breathing. And the idea of stopping doing this would be impossible. I see it as an impossibility yeah. in my life. And it almost feels like that confinement would be like taking away a necessity and uh, uh, something that makes me whole so no for me no it's not a it's it's not a it's not a phase as much as it's like finding something that i always needed that i didn't realize i was missing mm -hmm. maybe put that into into perspective for anybody who's not like lived this kind of kind of way before um we all can relate to one thing and that's that's covid and lockdown right we've been many of us have been locked down for for months at a time i know i was locked down for pretty much six months and back in germany as well um i I mean, there are there are times where where I can live for months at a time in my apartment if I'm just working on something and and I'm you know I'm basically not going out very much, right? But as soon as somebody, like as soon as you have to stay in, you feel like, but wait a minute, I but I <laughs> I want to ha have the option of going out. So think about you know that those six months where you had to stay and you you, you know it was the right thing to do and everything, but you, you know you have to do it, right? And there is this confinement. Maybe that's a way to to look at how this feels um, for us on like a you know like kind of. It's not obviously not the same, but there's there's a relation to that where if we felt that we couldn't move, that we had to be in one place, um, that that we'd be missing something, right? We'd be missing that feeling of freedom that um, that we have. Having the option is the is the beautiful part about it. Mm. So you mentioned COVID. Do you think the net impact of people working from home is is the is pretty much the thing? People have got their first huge exposure to working from home. Most of most of whom have never done it before. Uh, you know, we've been doing it our whole lives, and we're used to it. Do you think the net impact of this is going to be more people want to travel and work from home, or both, or people are just sick of it, they hate it, and they want to get back to the office? I think you're going to get a good bit of both. Um, 
we're pretty confident though that there's there's going to be a, a massive spike of people wanting to travel as well because what basically happened now is um so we were looking at the space obviously for a while right have been being sort of like in the space and working here um we we expected this to happen within 10 years but now due to covid there's just been like this like black swan event right everything has changed in one moment and all of these companies have been forced to allow people to work remotely and so what happens next is that even when companies then say okay now it's time to come back into the office what they're doing is they're taking back a freedom that people felt that they had right mm -hmm. so the very next step is going to be that people are going to say but i would like to have that freedom even if they don't you know even if they end up coming back into the office or even if they just stay at home and don't travel with it it is a freedom that now people feel that we should have right and so there's going to be a lot of pressure on those companies to allow for freedom like that and at the at the same time that larger number of people who now can work remotely because certain companies are just going to keep doing this indefinitely and you know big companies have already announced that they that they will be um those people are now at home some of them are starting to ask themselves if i'm working from home why am i not working from bali or why am i not working from medellin you know why am not am i not going out there and so they'll start to do that and they'll start to post about it you know and again like like you guys said instagram makes everything look so glamorous but at the end of the day that just means that more of your friends are going to be posting nice shots in in uh in bali nice shots in, in medellin nice shots in you know different places around the world so you're going to be exposed to it a lot more which again makes you realize it's more possible and also makes you just be like you know why am i not doing that so you can see that the pressure is changing on both sides. On the, on the mm -hmm. one hand, like people are going to ask companies for it. On the other hand, people are going to want it more, right? So yeah, there's, a, there's going to be a, a massive shift in that. I don't even think there's going to be that much pressure on companies, really. I mean, you've got, you've got CEOs that are looking at their, their expenses and they're seeing San Francisco. I'm renting out for 200 grand a month for nobody that's going there. And guess what? My company yeah. is functioning perfectly fine. And they're happy, right? They don't. Yeah. These companies are realizing they don't need that office space, and they're probably having a conversation that's less along the lines of, "Oh no, people are going to want this full time," and more along the lines of, "How do we talk our employees to continuing this so that we can free up that overhead from that lease?" And all of a sudden, you were a San Francisco-based company paying two point four million in overhead, and now how's my math? Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> now and now you're you're paying uh, you're paying nothing. Right. People just working from home mm. and maybe maybe you rent out a WeWork or you rent out some shared workspace for. I don't know. That might be the case, Jeff, with some companies. But I do have a lot of friends who keep telling me they're like, all right, like, July, you know, July, we're supposed to be back. September is supposed to be back or once I get vaccinated. Yeah, so maybe. there's some Air companies usually like more. Enterprise yeah, type. A little bit mix of mix of both some old school and some people who really just mm. believe that like they want their employees there in person to do things. So I think while maybe some companies might, you know, say realize that, you know, have closed their offices already and have realized that others are making them go back. And I think kind of back to some of the earlier conversation, the reason I was really passionate about doing this, this company with you guys. And I think you all share it. And Diego has been doing it for years is just helping people to have the choice. So I think that there's some people who I know who are excited to go back to the office and don't want to travel the way that the three of us do. And there's some people who like every day I post something, they're like, I, I want to live this life. And I'm like, you can, right? So I think the whole point of all of this is to give people the option and let give the education that what is this really life? Like, sorry, what is this lifestyle really like? And yes, it's possible for anybody who actually wants to. And one of the things that pains me the most, you know, and I've, I've stopped trying to convince people when they reply and say like, I want to be you. And I just say, you, you can like as simple as that. It's really a choice an intentional choice that you make. So I think as you know, we can help more and more people realize what this lifestyle is and isn't and who wants to live it. Like I didn't even know it was possible before it kind of came into my radar, you know, for six, seven years after I graduated college, I didn't even know this was an option for me. So I think it's becoming a little bit more known because of COVID and just because of social media, but there's still so many people who have no, they don't know a real person who lives this life. So, you know, mm -hmm. my whole intention with this is to show What's possible? What's it like? What does it take? What are the good? What's the good, the bad, the ugly? And to help people do it, like how do you do this if it's what you really want? And Rosa, you, that is your superpower. Mm, <laughs> you are incredible at removing those <laughs> limiting beliefs and those blockers. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, you've done that a few times with me as well. <laughs>
Same. I do love it. You, <laughs> you both have worked with worked in getting helping people become remote digital nomads quite a bit, probably more than other any other two people combined. Really, um, what would you say is a commonality with the people that actually do go through with it? What is their mindset? What do they do different from the person that never does it but wants to? I'm going to let Diego start. Oh, oh, the tough questions. I have to start. All right. You go ahead, Diego. You go ahead. (laughs) Right. So the question is, how's the mindset? You've interviewed like a thousand. Yeah, you've interviewed literally a thousand Mm. people who have gone on to probably, I would say what, like 90% of those people have probably gone on to actually live this life. So what do you see as the commonalities? And I'll give it from the kind of deep dive that I do with people. Do they have a better perspective? They have better jobs? Like what is, what is the common, is there a common thread? I, I love this question. Yeah, no, I, I, it's awesome for us to be able to actually dive into this and, and try to figure this one out together. So I think one really obvious commonality is that people have the, there, there's that sense of ownership and accountability, right? Of um, life doesn't just happen. Um, life isn't just what it is. I have the option to make changes in my life, right? And that doesn't, that doesn't negate the fact that we all start at different points, right? And that we're dealt different cards. There's no doubt about that. And for some people, it's incredibly difficult. Other people, they're almost there and they just need to take a few small steps and, and you know, they get this life. So for example, um, but the point there is that I think that all of the people that I've seen join, join our trips are the kind of people that at some point in their lives, they had to say, this is something that I want. It is something that I currently don't have. I know that there are certain things that I can do to get there. And I'm just going to, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to go out. Are we allowed to swear on this? No, is that going to be beat out? Okay. 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 All right. Cool. Perfect. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so at some point, they you just, never uh, guess. I love it. <laughs> he's, I, I he's fired up. You can tell. You know, he's fired up. <laughs> wait, wait, for, <laughs> wait for the Selena <laughs> episode. That, that's going to be. Uh, we have to do a lot of beeping out there. Um, but yeah, the the point is that people have then made that decision. Like, I'm I'm going to follow through with this, and I'm I'm going to make that that happen. I think that if I was going to point out one thing, that really would be the the main thing because. Um, there, you know, people will arrive, especially people who've either never even traveled before. That's not so common in, in our groups, but yes, there definitely are quite a few of those as well. Um, and then people who just haven't had this lifestyle before, they will come in and they will have all of these other things that they're concerned about. Like, you know, it, am I going to be productive? That's definitely one of the biggest ones, right? Because there's so much to do and so much to see, so much excitement. Um, the the other ones are like, is, you know, is the internet going to work well? Like the, there are obviously a lot of those kind of questions that you're, you're going to ask yourself if it's, um, if, if it's going to enable you to have this lifestyle. But at the end of the day, as they go through that experience, they realize, huh, it really wasn't as difficult as I thought it was going to be. Right. Um, and there are many, many things that you can do along the way that, that allow you to sort of like make that journey easier. Right. Yeah, I would agree with a lot of that. I think the, the, as a as a coach, uh, what I end up helping the most people who actually make that transition is overcoming all the fears. And you mentioned some of the logistical things, but a lot of people just have fear of of like, what what do I do about health insurance? What if I get you know sick while I'm away? What do I do with my apartment? What do I do with my pet? What do you know? What about my family? They're gonna judge me, or you know, I'm used to being around them all the time, or you know, just how am I gonna make friends? I don't want to be alone on the road. Like, there's a lot of these fears. Those are the kind of things I feel like I help people work through once they've decided that they even want this lifestyle. But I would say the the biggest thing is just people who have decided to live with this intentionality of like, this is something that I want and I won't live any other way. So something as as a coach, I say both with careers and just life in general, I say, start with the end in mind and work your way backwards. So for me, you know, I, we talked about four hour work week. Once I realized this lifestyle was possible, (laughs) just rolling his eyes, but that was the moment where I was like, I have to, this has to be my life. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't, I don't know how it's going to work, but like, I will do this. And I think it took me about two years before I was then even in a place where I could test it out for a couple of weeks at a time. And I would say probably three years later until I was like really, truly doing it. And it was because I decided that 
there was no other way. So I would say the people who make this, you know, who end up living as a nomad, it's not because they accidentally stumbled into it. It's like they made this discovery and they value, I would say like when you look at the priorities of your life of, you know, work, family, travel, friends, insurance, whatever it is, like they have put travel and living this epic life as number one and they will do anything to make it happen. And I think what people realize along the way is, you actually don't have to sacrifice so many other things. Like you still can have a career, you can keep working, but the way society is built, especially in the US from, you know, US centric mind, but all over the world is that it's an either or. You're either like working and building a career, which is what most people think, or, you know, you're backpacking and burning through your money. And there just isn't the awareness and education that you can have both. And so I think once people realize that, it's it's still just like they value traveling the world is, is number one and they will make everything else fit in their life. And then it's like overcome the people, there's people who still want that, but can't get past the fear. So there's kind of that middle ground on top of it. And that's the, the biggest, uh, the biggest lie really out there, right? Like that idea that you can't have both. Again, if you look at so many of the people Such that we've lie. met, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like there's, there's people that have these insane careers and you're like, Oh my God, yeah. like, what are you doing? That's absolutely incredible. Right. Uh, and they're doing it all, you know, completely on the go. Like there's one guy who's he's running three companies and he was do running them off his mobile phone. Um, you know, and he's, he's in his mid mid forties. Like guys, there is no excuse. Like, this guy's not even a millennial and he's doing that. Um, so there's no, like that's, I think that's probably one of the, the really important things to remind yourselves of that. Yeah. Um, you don't, I think, you know, my, my parents, they call us digital hippies, right? So they have a very specific <laughs> perspective of like, oh, well, if you live this lifestyle, then, you know, you're, you're the modern day, day hippie. Hippies or gypsies? Um, gypsies or hipsy? hippies? No, hippies. 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 Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, digital hippies. <laughs> right, because that's that's from their generation, right? That's that's what they they remember. Sure. Um, but that also kind of like paints a picture of a very specific lifestyle that has potentially given up on many other things, right? At least the stereotype is, okay, hippies typically have not focused so much on the career life, but that's not, you know, that's that's absolutely not the case. And I think yeah. it's important to remember that. I want to start, like, speaking of the perfect example, Jeff here, who never did share his story, literally got promoted to CMO of a marketing agency while we were all together in Bolivia. So I feel like, Jeff, if, even if you want to take a second, maybe give a quick background of, of your story. Like, you are the prime example of living this lifestyle, living all over the world, and getting promoted to, to a CMO while you're doing it. And I just think that like Diego, as you said, so many people don't just, you, they don't believe that you can have both. And I think you're the perfect example of it. Of the world's biggest content marketing company, right? Yeah, 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 they are. And, and I there think you go. I've always, I've always believed that people make the most lasting changes when there's enough discomfort. I think discomfort's good because I think if you don't have any sort of discomfort, then there's really no incentive to change. You're just comfortably on cloud nine. And if that's okay with you, then that's okay with you. But I tend it's easier to, to say, find, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's easier. Absolutely. But I, I tend to find that for me, if something's uncomfortable enough, I will make a permanent lasting change. And for me, it was going on that first trip. It was going to Medellin where I met Diego for the first time. And I remember just feeling like a big weight was lifted off my chest and nothing particular, particularly crazy was happening. I just was there and this weight was lifted off my chest. And I remember skipping down the street, like a little kid, I was actually skipping. I was actually I skipping. Do I don't even know how to skip. I wouldn't even know how to do it right now. Like <laughs> a moment just like marionetted me and I just started skipping. And I thought, oh my God, I've, I've, you know, I, I found it. I found something that was missing, missing. And then there was a subsequent, discomfort of not having that you know i returned home and that was gone i was like oh wait a minute you can't just give me something like that and then take it away and i was like all right at that point that was enough enough discomfort to know that i had to do everything i could possibly do to make this thing a permanent reality right so i did that and i think the difference for me than some people that i've talked to that want to do it but they're like no nah, it's not quite for me is that I just asked as simple as that. I asked my boss, I'm like, Hey, look, you know, I could be working on the moon if I have Wi Fi connection and it won't make a difference whether I'm on the moon or I'm sitting on my couch 
or I'm, you know, in, in Medellin or, or in uh, Bolivia, it doesn't matter because this is a performance-based job and, you know, I perform and I've proven that I perform while working remote. So he said, yeah, it doesn't make any difference to me. And now we're like doubled down during COVID time. So it, like it doubly doesn't make any difference because I've already had a proven track record. And that's uh, basically how I got here. Yeah, we were in Bolivia. I got promoted to CMO of a, a mid-sized, mid-sized company. And everything you that I did. about your red? <laughs> well, I laughed and cheered and then it hurt again. So I was a mixed emotion. It's a mixed bag, Diego. Pleasure comes pain. Yeah, right. We just talked about discomfort. So enough discomfort. To not, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that works. Probably doesn't work. Um, but yeah, everything that I do can be done online. I manage a team that's scattered all over the place. I've got somebody in Mexico now. I've got somebody in Seattle, Washington. I've got somebody in, in deep Michigan and another person in, um, in Maine. So as long as we show up for meetings and we're, we're all looking at each other right now, you know, through, through video and we're having almost the same interaction we would have in person. So that was my argument. And it really wasn't an argument. It was just more of like, yeah, you've proven that it works. And so, so do it. Um, and so since then, like, like I said, the analogy of once the toothpaste is out of the tube, there's no putting it back. There is no putting it back. Once you get into this thing, once you go on that scooter ride down the beach after work with your hat on and going to meet like one of your best friends, Must wear a hat. At the beach, you have to wind your hair will fly all over the place. And I don't, no, I don't want my it's not a helmet. First. You're Jesus. not safe. No way. I'm yeah. Jeff, where's your helmet? Mexico. Jesus. I don't want to get laughed at. Ruin the whole image. How cool does that look? Playing Boys of Summer by Don Henley and you're wearing a big egghead I like. Oh. I like my life, Jeff. I'm a helmet wearer. Oh. I do love a good scooter ride. Shot fire, Jesus. You know, I was getting all emotional here. Now you're giving me a health <laughs> We're worried about you, Jeff. That's all. So worried. We want We've seen live. too many uh, sprained ribs. There's a, <laughs> there's a worse one than that. I was actually filming myself riding a motorcycle with a shifter for Diego one time when we were in Medellin. I don't know if you remember that, but I was riding a motorcycle and shifting it while filming it with my phone in Poblado, Medellin, which is probably one of the worst places in the world to drive other than probably Bali or something. But yeah. I appreciate that. Did we ever do anything with that video footage? I feel really <laughs> bad right now. If it's on Diego's phone, it has never seen the light of day. No. <laughs> <laughs> he responded back, Jeff, two hands or something like that. I'm like, you must Oh, the there you go. Bit. There you go. Yeah. Always worried about you. <laughs> yeah. you. Oh, gosh. Yeah, these two, for those who don't know, they're ep epic adventurers on anything with wheels. So I, I've gotten caught along in the ride. I love it. But you two, you two find your adventures. That's for caught sure. Caught along. You've instigated a few of those. Yeah, I like <laughs> Trying to play the safe one playing coin in the corner you but meanwhile meanwhile you'll be the first one to raise your hand and <laughs> i say yes i will be on the back of either of your motorcycles or or atvs i prefer you two to drive <laughs> that, is, that is not a safe place to be <laughs> so uh i think that's a good to wrap <laughs> okay, up. let's do let's do a quick lightning round what is the latest spontaneous thing that you have done while traveling Ooh, I'll start. Okay. So we had a very fancy food tasting recently when we were in Medellin. It was way up on the mountain. I put on my only button up shirt. That's how you know it's fancy. And <laughs> after quite a few drinks, I decided to borrow the canoe that was on the pond because I race canoes competitively. And I was going to like go with a friend and he, uh, he kind of stands up like a Who's that guy? Who's that guy from the Minions movie? The uh, guy Groot, where he's like super top heavy, and like if he leans yeah, one direction, Groot is yeah, that his yeah. name? Yeah, he just yeah, stands just up with Groot uh -huh. and flips me off and just like catapults me into this pond and I just like skip across the water, and then the security guards come out and they had no idea how to handle that. You're at a wine tasting, they or a, a food tasting. People aren't stealing canoes <laughs> at food tasting, so this guy comes running out, just confused. He's like, I. I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> and we're like, can you help us untie this? And then we fall off into the one. <laughs> and I have a very oh, cold ride home. So that's the that's the most recent spontaneous <laughs> thing that I've done in my little travel, <laughs> little world of travel. Let's see, I'm gonna go with a, a story, maybe of something that that happened to me. Um, 
So it was it was my my birthday just now, second COVID birthday. That's right. Aww. We're going for round two, and uh, yeah, just I'd just flown into Oaxaca, and there were uh, a bunch of people. We were on one of those those trips with Wi-Fi Tribe, and um, somebody took me out to to have coffee. We had a great conversation, and then on the way back home, um, she's like, "Oh, hey, you know, let's just go in here for a second, right?" So I, I turn into this random place, uh, random little restaurant, like hole in the wall kind of place. Um, and as I get get in, she's like, "All right, you're gonna have to take your uh, your you know face mask, your COVID mask, and uh, cover your eyes with it, right?" So that was that was weird. And then I and then I just walk in, and they're like, "All right, take it off." And there's just this tunnel of people in front of me. I have to like run through, and and uh, there's three pinatas there, um, which pinatas is like this this Mexican thing that you fill with with candy, and um, and you have to like beat it with a stick so you get your candy. Um, yeah, and then there was just this really awesome surprise uh, birthday party waiting for me for me there with a bunch of Aww. people. So, you know, yeah, somewhere in the, a, a place that I'd only just arrived. It was it was really really awesome. So yeah, that's mine. I love it. I'm gonna give you guys mine. You will you two will not be surprised, but I was uh, in Antigua just now, like at a hotel, a nice hotel, like working from my laptop and talking to three friends about Bitcoin because all everyone's obsessed with it. And there was this guy in the pool who was like, Bitcoin, what? Like, and just started having this conversation with us. And I started talking to him and I don't even know if you guys will know what this is. He started talking about Akashic records, which are about past lives and all these spiritual things, all these witchy things that I'm really into. And um, anyway, I just got super, I was like, I don't know who you are, but I, I need to know more. So I met up with him and this other guy who run a nonprofit. And it turns out this guy was kind of like a witch, a famous like witch doctor in Guatemala. <laughs> You guys are like, of course, but I just, I ended up, we went to this farm for brunch and he knew this like local cacao maker and she was doing all of this kind of like energy medicine healing. And he's like talking about my past lives and reading all of this, just kind of like doing this psychic reading, like at a coffee shop in the middle of just everyone's normal life. Um, so for me, I, I love those experiences, but it was super spontaneous and random and it all started from sitting at a hotel working, talking about Bitcoin, but I think for me, it's just meeting those spontaneous people having those weird moments where like all my friends were out at a brunch and I was with this witch doctor and his like nonprofit person who also like sees things and was like, how did I end up here? But also, yes, I'm so glad I'm here. So that was very likely. most recent one. <laughs> very, 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 very likely. Ended up there. <laughs> yeah, if I were you, but just so fun. You, you manifested that, right? <laughs> I Yes, exactly. <laughs> but super spontaneous, random and really cool and fun. I think that's a good place to call it. Thanks, everybody. Again, again, we are Beach Commute. This is our first episode. We are um, we are a resource center for all things digital nomad. We have a website with resources on how to become a digital nomad, courses on how to become a digital nomad, a tons, tons of free stuff, landing pages, explanations, all that kind of stuff. So check us out, and we will see you next time.